Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 5. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. I walked over straight to the window, opened. It was in the evening. And when I looked out the window, I saw a, a city on a hill. And I said to my wife, I said, honey, come here. I said, come here. Look at this. Look at this. And, and I said, look at that. I said, remember Jesus said, you are the light of the world and a city on a hill cannot be hidden. And she goes, yeah, I yeah, Jesus said that. Look at that. And it was just a, an amazing moment and a picture lesson there. Lots happened in this area, in the life of Jesus, in this area of the Galilee. Now look at verse 2 in your Bibles. You've got to get the scene. Some scholars say that there could have been as many as 20,000 people following Jesus everywhere he goes. So Jesus saw two boats, and the fishermen were washing their nets. And Jesus gets into one of the boats. And probably pushes off 20 to 30 feet offshore. And people are standing there in the water listening. And the way the Galilee is shaped in this part, it's actually he's in, in the area of Capernaum, that part of the Galilee. And, and the way that it's shaped is actually shaped like a natural amphitheater. You see, that's why I think that, that's why I think going to Israel, listen, look, look, listen. That's why going to Israel and taking a trip to Israel is so key, I think, and vital for every believer. You know, we plan our vacations and folks want to go to, where do, where do folks go for vacation? I don't even vacation. They go to Odessa, Hawaii, Disney, Trinidad. People go, no. Um, um, Wally World, I don't know where people, <laughs> people go. Places, I don't know. But can I encourage you, maybe one of these years say, you know, we're not going to go like to one of those beach resort places. We're going to save our money and we're going to go to Israel. Because when you go to Israel, what happens is once you take one trip to Israel, your understanding of the Bible just soars. It's like one trip to Israel, somebody wants whoever these people are, did a study and said one trip to Israel is, a, is like two years of Bible college. Because you're able to see things and you read in the Bible. I'm reading about Lake Gennesaret and I know because I was there. I know because on the Sea of Galilee, Lake Gennesaret, Chedaroth, same thing. I remember when we would get on a boat and we would go out to the middle of the lake. It's beautiful. And we would get on a boat and go out to the middle of the lake, turn the boat off and have worship and a Bible study right out on the Galilee. It's just awesome. And then, and then, you can, then we turn the boat back on and go across to the other side because there's this restaurant called Peter's Fish House. <laughs> it's there now. I mean, this is, you know, capitalism. Somebody thought of this and they're making a billion bucks. I mean, I should have thought of it. But, uh, 
But every, and everybody goes there, the Peter's Fish House, and you have fish, and you have uh, fritters, corn fritters, and you have, you know, stuff like that. And uh, it's just a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing to take a trip, just one trip, to go to Israel. So in this part where Jesus is right now is in the part of Capernaum. And it's kind of a natural amphitheater. So people can really hear him. And probably he had a supernatural lapel mic on. So all these 20,000 people, they probably could hear him. Well, notice in verse 3 in your Bibles, the fishermen were washing their nets. Did you notice this? And Jesus got into the boat. I love this statement. Underline it. Highlight it in your Bibles. Jesus got into the boat. You know, people have asked me often, they've said, Pastor, what is the key to a successful ministry? And I tell them, listen, a successful ministry is a ministry where Jesus is in the boat. It has nothing to do with people. I honestly, seriously, I kid you not, I've done radio interviews, newspaper, magazine interviews, because we have a very multicultural church. I mean, look to the left, look to the right. There's probably somebody black and somebody white sitting next to you or someone Indian or someone Asian sitting next to you. People are, you know, what's the success to the ministry? I mean, how do you get all of these different people? I mean, I remember when we had probably eight, nine hundred people in our church. And my wife, we was probably my family and maybe one other black family in a predominantly at that point, all white churches. That's when the newspapers and stuff showed up, y'all. They were like, we can't, we can't believe this is happening in the South. You got a black senior pastor and all of these white folks. I mean, I'm serious. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding you. And they asked me, they said, well, what is the key to your success? I mean, how is it that you have all of these people, they said. I said, oh, you mean all the white people? <laughs> Faye, you know how I am. It's just going to keep it real. And I said, I said, I tell you what, I said, Jesus is doing the work. Pastor Rodney shows up and teaches the Bible. And that's it. I'm not into advertising. I'm not against it. But I'm not into that. I'm into teaching the word of God. And I believe that if you are fed the word of God and you get excited and fervent about the things of God, I don't have to go out and beat the bushes to bring people in the church. You will go out and bring people to church. I know people that attend this church that have a van that go fill it up to bring people to church on Sunday morning. So you teach, I'm going to wait, that's Okay. So the key to successful ministry is Jesus needs to be in the boat. Psalm 127 tells us, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. And unless Jesus comes on board your boat, you're paddling upstream with no oars. You don't have to struggle. You don't have to strive. Jesus just needs to be in the boat. Notice in verse 4, Jesus had finished teaching. Are you looking at verse 4? Jesus had finished teaching and basically says, church is over, let's go fishing. And he told Peter, go out into the deep part and let down your nets. Now, before we go any further, listen close and don't miss this. You have to understand this. This meeting here, are you listening? This meeting here in Luke chapter 5 is not the first time that Jesus met these guys. Jesus first met them in John chapter 1. You read that in your own time. But Jesus met them the day after his baptism. 
As John was with his two disciples and Jesus walked up and John said, behold, the Lamb of God. And they began to follow Jesus. And one of the two that heard John speak was Andrew, Peter's brother. And it was Andrew who went and found Peter. And he said, we have found the Messiah. Don't you remember? Jesus looked at Peter and said, you are Simon, which his name means sinking sand. I'm going to change your name to Cephas or Peter, which means a rock. So my point is this, Jesus didn't just meet them and say, drop your nets and follow me. Because when Jesus told them to drop their nets, are y'all listening? When Jesus told them to drop their nets, he was telling them to give up your occupation. They were fishermen. That's how they provided for their, their wife, their children, their families. They paid the bills fishing. So Jesus didn't just show up and say, hey, I'm Jesus, I'm the Messiah, drop your nets, come follow me. It's been a whole year now here in Luke chapter 5, and Jesus says, drop your nets, I'm going to make you fishers of men. So here we are a year later, Jesus says, go deep, drop your nets. And I'm sure, get this, saints, I'm sure when Jesus said that, when he said, I want you to drop your nets, keep in mind, it was in the morning. The sun had already come up. When Jesus said, drop your nets and go fishing, I'm sure that there were, what I wouldn't have given to have a DVD of this scene. When Jesus said that, they probably, there was like an awkward silence. They probably looked at him and said, what is wrong with you? I know you're the Messiah, but what is wrong with you? Because every fisherman knew that the worst time to fish was in the morning because the morning sunlight was on the water and that scared the fish away. So if you're going to fish, you want to do it at night or before the sun comes up. Look at verse five. Peter said, Jesus, we have been fishing all night and haven't caught one fish. Nevertheless, at your word or because you ask, we'll do it. Now look at verse five. I think this is hilarious. Jesus says, master, master. In other words, he understands who Jesus is. Master, prophet, healer, teacher, provider, God of wonders beyond all majesty. The God who created the fish, he created these fish. Peter understands who he is. He says, we've been fishing all night and we haven't caught anything. Nevertheless, I'll humor you. I will humor you and drop the net. It's almost like Peter is saying, Jesus, listen, why don't you stick to the casting out the demons and the healing and the preaching stuff? Because the fishing, that's, that's our stuff. That's what we do. You preach, we fish. You preach, we fish. And notice two things here. I want you to, I want you to get this because you cannot miss this. And most people do. Two things we need to see. First of all, you need to write this down. When God asks you to do something that you don't understand, do it. Do it. Don't put God in the box. God asks you to do something, do it. Not only do it, but watch this. Do it fully and completely. 
What we want to notice, the second point here that we want to notice is that Jesus said, let down your nets. Look at verse four, please. This is a detail that you would miss if we don't point it out. Jesus said, let down your, what saints? Nets. You see that S? For a catch. Peter said in verse five, I will let down the, what? Net. Jesus said, let down your nets with an S. Peter says, I will let down the net. Actually, listen, Peter was obedient to the Lord, but Peter was partially obedient to the Lord. Peter didn't do everything the Lord told him to do. You know, it reminds me of a story. It's in 2 Kings. It's a great story in 2 Kings chapter 13. You read this in your own time. But in 2 Kings chapter 13, it tells us a classic example of the cost of partial obedience. The scene is a battle between King Joash and the Syrians who were attacking Israel. And Joash was asking the Lord what to do. So God sent Elisha. And Elisha told Joash to take some arrows and to strike the ground. So Joash, listen, are you listening? Joash took three arrows and he struck the ground and then he stopped. Elisha got angry because the shooting of the three arrows signified that Joash wasn't fervent. He was half-hearted. And there was a partial obedience and a a half-heartedness about his deliverance. Because if he were full-hearted, he would have taken every arrow and shot them. And this is kind of like what Peter did. Jesus said, let out your nets, and Peter let out the net. Partial obedience. I am amazed at how many Christians are partially obedient to the Lord, Madeline. I am amazed at how many Christians are half-hearted. What is wrong with us? Half-hearted about the things of God. Half-hearted about the kingdom of God. Lukewarm and tepid about what God wants to do in your life. When Romans chapter 12, verse 11 tells us that we are to be fervent in the spirit. Fervent in the spirit, not half-hearted in the spirit. Are you listening? Fervent in the spirit. We're so half-hearted about the call of God on our lives. Half-hearted about your deliverance. Half-hearted about, half-hearted about worship. Half-hearted in prayer. The Bible tells us the effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous man, what saints, avails much. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now, don't confuse fervency with loudness. You understand that? You know, some people think that you're being really fervent if you're praying like to the point where you're like sweating and loud and screaming at God. God is not deaf. He can hear you. Somebody this half of the room say amen, please. Some folks screaming, you don't need to scream. You don't have to scream. God, I mean, it really is a simple point, but it's the truth. You don't have to scream. God can hear you. But we need to be fervent in our prayers. And the reason we need to be fervent in our prayers is because God wants you to care about the thing that you're praying about. And when you are not fervent in your prayer, then you are asking God to care about something that you don't care about. We need to be fervent in worship. And you want to see fervency? You want to see fervency? 
Turn on the game. People are maniacs when they're team playing. You turn on the game, folk, uh, people wearing cheese on their head. What in the world is up with that? Cheese, look, I don't know much. I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I'm not the dullest either. And I know that cheese goes on a sandwich and not on your head. People wearing cheese on their head, and man, they are fervent. But you get those same people in church, and it quiets the church mouse. You tell them, come on, let's worship the Lord. Clap your hands to the Lord. You know, lift your hands to the Lord. I'm going to sing out to God. People are not fervent. And I honestly believe that we need to be as believers, we need to be fervent. And we claim to serve an awesome God. We claim to serve a God who is, who is the God of the universe. We claim to be believers. We claim that, that our God is going to come someday and take us to heaven. We claim that we are, the Spirit of God lives within us and we're changed and we're born again. And we have this awesome, exciting God who created everything that people see and the beauty of everything that we see. And yet, we we don't worship him. And man is the only creation of God that doesn't do what they have been created to do. Because we, we're created to worship. You understand? Are you getting me? We are created to be worshipers of God and not to be half-hearted. And whatever you do for God, don't be half-hearted about it. Whatever you do. If you preach the word, preach the word with fervency. Preach the word with nothing worse than hearing a boring sermon. I'm sorry, I said it. Yep, I said it. Y'all clapping. Ain't no, I'm telling you, you know, I told you before. Put some fire in your sermon or put your sermon in the fire. You can write that down, that's good. Mm -mm. A boring sermon. Fervency. God wants us to be fervent. And he wants to see that work in our lives. And he wants us to follow him and to do it with completeness. Jesus said, let down your nets. And Peter let down the net. Well, notice in verse 6 in your Bibles. Go ahead and look at verse 6. When they obeyed the word of the Lord, they caught so many fish that their nets began to break. And they started calling the other fishermen and they continued catching fish. So many came that it filled both boats. That's kind of hard to say together. Both boats. Both boats. And they began to sink. And they probably would have sunk if Jesus wasn't in them. Well, notice in verse 8, when Peter saw it, he fell to his knees and he said, thank you, Jesus, for these fish. Is that what he said? Y'all all looking like that. Ain't what that says. No. What did he say? He said, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. When Peter saw it, listen, look at me. When Peter saw it, 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 what? The fish? I don't think so. I think the it refers to when Peter saw the power and the authority of Jesus. That is what caused him to say, depart from me, I am a sinful man. 
When you see the power and the authority of Jesus, listen, this is what always happens. When you see the glory of God, the power of God, the majesty of God, what it causes you to do is to say, depart from me, I am a sinful man. It was Isaiah who the Bible tells us saw the Lord high and lip. Now it's time y'all can talk here right now. When Isaiah saw the Lord, he saw the Lord what? High and lifted up. And then he said what? Woe is me. When you see the Lord, you will not lift up in pride. When you see the Lord, you will not lift yourself up in pride. Guarantee it. I'll wait. It's okay. You'll humble yourself. When you see the Lord, you're not going to write a book talking about what you saw or the DVDs and you're selling them for $29.99, shipping and handling included. That's not going to happen. You're going to humble yourself and you're going to say, woe is me or depart from me. You're going to fall down before the Lord. Well, notice in verse 10 and 11, as we wrap it up, Jesus said, from now on, you will catch men. You used to catch live fish that would die. And now they catch dead fish, sinners that will live. And as you look at their lives and ministries, this is exactly what they did. Because on the day of Pentecost, don't you remember? It was Peter who threw out the gospel net and he brought in a catch. And it was a big one because 3,000 fish men got saved. Remember that? In the day of Pentecost. You see, every person is going to be taken alive by someone. You will either be taken alive by Jesus to eternal life or by Satan to eternal death. But Christ's net, by his net, allowing Christ to draw you into his net, or Satan will draw you into his net. You're going to be taken alive. What we have here, ladies and gentlemen, is four fishermen that got, got caught in Jesus' net. And notice Jesus calls these ordinary, smelly men walking an ordinary life. And all they needed to do was to give God their ordinary life, and he would give them back something extraordinary. Isn't that just like our God? Can you clap your hands for the Lord? Could you do that? Something extraordinary. And the last thing I want to tell you, the last thing I want to tell you, I do find it interesting, listen to me, I do find it interesting that the first title that these men receive is not elder, not deacon, not bishop, Things that make you go, hmm. It's not pastor. The first title that Jesus gives is not Pope. You know, some people think Pope Peter. Peter was the first Pope. Peter wasn't the first Pope. Peter was a fisherman. I can't wait to get to heaven and ask Peter. Peter, what what do you think about you being the first Pope? Please. He's not reverend. Jesus didn't give him the title reverend. He called them fishermen. He said, you will be fishermen 
and you will catch men. In the Greek language, the implication is that I, in the Greek language it reads, I will cause you to catch men. So God is not saying that you need to go out and do this on your own. God is saying, I will do it through you. How do you do that? Well, you simply tell people about the goodness and the grace of God. That's how you catch men. That's how you go fishing. You know, people say, well, I don't believe the Bible. Okay, you don't believe the Bible. But you can't argue with a changed life. I've had people tell me, I do not believe the scriptures. And and a lot of Christians, listen to me close, a lot of Christians think because when people say, I don't believe the the scriptures, then a lot of Christians think, well, then we can't talk anymore because you don't believe the scriptures. No, we can continue to talk. Because although you may not believe the Bible, you cannot argue with my changed life. I am telling you that God changed me. I am telling you that I was one way on January 22nd, 1982, and I was completely different on January 23rd, 1982, the very next day. And I am telling you, 25 years later, God has changed my life, and I'm not the same Rodney anymore. And you don't have to believe the Bible, but you can't argue with fruit. God has changed my life. And that's fishing. That's fishing. You know, nowhere, Jesus didn't tell them, well, you guys need to go to seminary and become, you know, Bible students and understand everything about the soteriology, eschatology, rheumatoidology, and all of these other ologies. (laughs) I don't know. He didn't tell them that. He just said, go, and I'm going to do the work, and I'm happy about that. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch, in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.